0: Case number 23-5257, Samuel Johnson et al. versus Kathy Griffin. Argument not to exceed 15 minutes per side. You may proceed for the appellant, Mr. McMurtry.
1: Good afternoon, your honors. Uh, First, I'd like to state that I've reserved five minutes for rebuttal, Um, and I'm ready when you are. Go for it. Thank you. Uh, Again, my name is Todd McMurtry. I'm here representing the plaintiffs, Sam and Jill Johnson, who have joined us today in the courtroom. Present also with me are our counsel from Tennessee, Lindsay Smith, and my colleague, Will Humer. Will Huber, excuse me. He is humorous. But anyway, um, today we're here because the district court uh, found that there were insufficient contacts for the Johnsons to call uh, Kathy Griffin, who lives in California, Uh, into the Tennessee uh, District Court and we believe that that was an error because we would suggest as we pled in our complaint that Miss Griffin did create a substantial connection to Tennessee through her conduct uh, involved in this incident and I'm sure your honors have have read the complaint nevertheless it's a social media controversy created when a video we we know the facts okay Okay, thank you
2: So the the things specific to jurisdiction that are important are, one, What do you you say about, you know, it's it's not just that we respect precedent. We tend to respect precedent involving the same party even more. Um, So we have the Blessing case. What's your take on that? Well, I think that the Blessing case is is, uh,
1: different in that the defendant Griffin in that case never contacted anyone in Kentucky. She did not tweet directly at someone in kentucky and if you look at the court's opinion
3: is that that that's the key fact in other words that would be enough to give us personal jurisdiction court, personal jurisdiction
1: i I think you have to look at at the totality of the circumstances and where the brunt of the injury uh, was felt and i think in this circumstance it was felt in tennessee Uh, and as i was saying before on the blessing case uh uh, Miss Griffin, uh, the court stated that her position was that because she did not tweet at anybody in Tennessee that she should not be called into court I excuse mean, me, in Kentucky, to- that she should not be called into court in Kentucky that fact is different but
3: there are other facts that I think are also important to consider. Where would you draw the line? In other words, what should the test be that we should determine w- which way it goes? Well I think that the tests that we have are, are sufficient if you, if you look at them. For example,
1: if you look at the, the Calder case, we have a circumstance there where there was a, a publication, I think it was the National Enquirer, the, the reporters from Florida called into California, there was substantial distribution of the newspaper in California, and they had conversations with people in California and knew that the greatest uh, harm would fall upon the plaintiff in that case in California, and that's almost identical to our situation
4: here. Well, we're, you know, we're in this social media age where, you know, it seems that everybody wants to tweet about something. Uh, and celebrities, of course, uh, often have these huge, you know, bases of, of, of followers. So I guess with Kathy Griffin, maybe it's, you know, two million and James Wood has had some cases on sort of the conservative side with several million followers. And so the argument here, I guess, from the other side is really, you know, what. Kathy Griffin was doing here is just speaking out uh, on a matter of public concern. She says in the first tweet something to the effect, uh, "This guy wants to be online famous, and you know, let's be vigilant." Uh, and I guess on the other side, in terms of contact with um, you know Tennessee, the contact is you know fairly minimal. One would argue, maybe the other side would argue, there's the ad visual, visual and then there's the follow-up, uh, and his contact with the Johnsons directly, or. They're mentioned and then there's a follow-up about the board of directors, but it's largely an appeal to Her art as one might argue to her her sort of her nationwide You know based just be vigilant. This is something a matter of public concern. How do do you respond?
1: Well, it was tortious speech And so I don't think that uh, when something is a matter of public concern that it's necessarily not subject to tort to an action in tort I mean there are many many uh, torts that involve speech, and many of those things could be matters of public concern at the same time. So, I don't think that that should serve as a bar. And generally, when you think about something as a matter of public concern, that's a, a defense to a defamation claim. In other words, that's a defense to false speech. And we're not alleging, this is not a disguised defamation claim, and we're not alleging. That's what they claim, the other well, I mean, but just look at look at what she said. There's, it's not necessarily defamatory. It's calling for Sam Johnson to be terminated from his job. I mean, a defamatory statement would be false. This is merely a, a declaration. But your honor, to answer your point directly, um, you know, tortious interference could be uh, speech on a ma- matter of public concern. Fraud, intentional
2: infliction of of emotional distress, can invasion can of privacy. I'm a little embarrassed. I didn't take the time to figure this out. But in the cases cited by you and the other side, are there any that are employment cases? Where the you know it's internet, the tweet or whatever the communication, you know it goes lots of places. It's the internet after all, but but it's it is it does lead to an employment dispute. Are any are any of the cases have that feature to them? I'm not aware of any case that has that that has facts that similar to our circumstance where
1: somebody's been been fired as a result of of you know internet public speech
3: that we could that we could uh, cite in this brief. Can I ask you a related? question, although different, is if the corporation was based in Ohio, for example, would that make a difference? In other words, would the court then not have personal jurisdiction?
1: Yes, I think it would make a difference because Tennessee would not be the focus of the activity that Miss Griffin undertook. It would not be where she tweeted at the employer. It would not be where she t- tweeted at Mr. Geitman directly. It would not be where Sam Johnson was employed. It would not be where Jill Johnson was employed. I mean, when you, Your Honor, when you talk about well, the contacts are somewhat minimal, they're, they're not really minimal by the Calder standard and they're, they're not minimal when you think that all of it occurred just in a little space in in Tennessee so I I think that there is a good argument that that there was a significant effort by Miss Griffin I mean, well, what, what about this
4: argument that there aren't, you really didn't allege uh, you know any you know real number of Tennessee readers I mean apparently is a reader and you say visual is a Tennessee reader but there's not a large number. I mean, it's that's sort of very, very small number. And there's no way to know, I guess, or we, we weren't able to find out right. how many followers are, after are this in, event, in Tennessee. After this event, and I'll let Mr.
1: Greigel tell me exactly when, but sometime yeah. after this event, her account went private, yeah. and we, we were not able to look at that. And I, I, to be honest, I do, cannot recall if that was before we filed suit or after. But at some point it went private, and as of today we could not determine that. But nevertheless, there are two million followers. Uh, certainly a large number, and there's only 50 states and maybe some countries, but certainly a large number of those, including two of the people in this lawsuit directly interacted with her on Twitter. So um, I would agree that if we could point to a thousand Tennessee residents who also followed her that that might be helpful, but I think we can look at the effects of what happened to also suggest that uh, Tennessee residents did did learn about this and, and I think that those facts there's enough facts in the complaint to take from it that the Tennessee residents uh, who
2: followed Kathy what do you say about in the blessing case it does have this one so the instance in DC not Kentucky but it does have this one statement and I'm, I'm paraphrasing I don't remember the exact words but it's to the effect of you know you need to let these kids know how to behave right in other words it's 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 suggestive in the way this was very direct going right to the company and particularly the board, the end. But that, but the blessing one is kind of suggestive of that, of saying, hey, these kids aren't doing what they're supposed to do and you should be doing something about it. Why, isn't that like this case? I mean, wouldn't you say that surely Covington High School saw that. I realized, well, the trip was probably still going on at the time of those tweets. So they were still technically in D.C., the kids anyway. But would that have a similar targeting or not? Well, it's, it's, it's
1: somewhat similar, but we have more. I mean, we have uh, back and forth with the employer
2: and Kathy Griffin online. We well, have- help me out with the rule. I, I, know, I know what you think, which is we have more, and more is enough to win, and all I want to do is win. We'll, we're up here with the next case. We're thinking we don't want to draw an arbitrary line where every day is a new day. So how, how would you reduce this to kind of a rule that, fine, your client wins under the rule, but it's a rule that isn't just, okay, there's one more little fact. It happened on a Tuesday. Well, I, I, I think that
1: the, the Calder case and the Blessing case are similar in that they evaluate you know, where the brunt of the injury or the focal point of the activity is. And I think in this circumstance, when a person on social media Zeroes in on a focal point, be that a a person and a state. And I think one of you asked if it was in Ohio, would that be a difference? It would be. But when you have all of these events coming together at one focal point where the brunt of the action is felt at that one spot, then I think that there's enough to say that you should exercise jurisdiction uh, or that the court should exercise jurisdiction uh, when given an opportunity like this. And I think that this case is very distinguishable from from Blessing and uh, even Walden. You know in the Walden case the person was in Nevada. Their money had been taken from them in, in Georgia. The only thing that occurred in Georgia was that they didn't get to enjoy their money and that was not the focal point or where the brunt of the injury was was felt. Here looking at Blessing, Calder, and Walden we can say that in this particular case, and in others like it, when a social media per- I'm out of time social media person um, tweets into a spot, then then um, uh, they have to be careful about how
2: they do it. Thank you. Okay. Sorry. Th- thank you.
0: Good afternoon. May it please the court. Uh, my name is Mike Greigle with Greenberg torg in Albany, New York. Uh, with me is Adam Siegler from my firm's Los Angeles office who worked with me on the briefing. We represent the defendant, Apple e. Kathy Griffin. Uh, Your Honors, um, plaintiff's claims against Ms. Griffin are predicated on three tweets addressing a matter of general public interest that formed no jurisdictionally relevant contacts with the state of Tennessee.
3: Can I ask you, it seems to me the tweet concerned the Tennessee activities of a Tennessee resident it impugned the professionalism of an an executive whose career was centered in Tennessee and the tweet was drawn from Tennessee sources. And the brunt of the harm in terms of professional reputation was suffered in Tennessee. you you agree with all
0: that? I do not, Your Honor. Okay,
3: where do you disagree?
0: Here's my point of departure. First of all, the, Ms. Griffin was not communicating with sources in Tennessee. This is a very...
3: Well, they reached out to her and she said, let me know. I can't remember the exact nature of it, but they reached out to her and she said, let me
0: know what you need. In, 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 in his, I'll help. In, in, in plaintiff's briefing, Your Honor, below in, in this court, there are two points in which there's an allegation that Ms. Griffin communicated with two people in Tennessee, Mr. Geitman was one of the students involved in the underlying incident. Um, however, that tweet is not an issue in this case. It said nothing no, I, about- No,
3: I understand, but you said that she didn't have contact with anyone. She had contact. So you agree it concerned Tennessee activities of a Tennessee citizen, correct?
0: I agree with that, Your Honor. Um, I do not think that is in any way remotely close okay, to on. establishing a predicate for oh, jurisdiction. Hold on,
3: but you agree with that?
0: I do. You agree
3: that it impugned the um, professionalism of an executive who was, was based in Tennessee?
0: Your Honor, I would characterize the statements that issued differently. I view them as Ms. Griffin oh. as expressing her opinion that Mr. Johnson deserved to be online famous. Now, people can agree with that.
3: I thought or, she or called him a derogatory, anti-gay type slur.
0: Uh, not as alleged in the complaint, Your Honor. There's only three, three well, that's, tweets in issue. on the line. But can I, can I just,
2: I'm trying to, it's so hard to figure out what the red herring's and what's material. Let me try a theory here. I'll, I'll warn you. I don't think it helps you. But, uh, but, but I, I do have a theory, and I want you to tell me why it's wrong. I just think this is an employment case. I think the number of followers, zero relevance. It, it, it adds noise. But I think this is an employment case there's a direct communication to the board at the end that's clearly about getting the board to fire him from the board and it succeeds. And we have to assume it's an intentional tort. right? We're not allowed to get to the merits of the intentional tort in doing the personal specific jurisdiction. So as far as I'm concerned, it's an unfair analogy, but I'm just trying to be clear about it. It's as if someone wrote solely to the board, no one else, The board is in Tennessee, and they said, do you know that your CEO is a child pornographer? We expect you to fire him by tomorrow. And they fire him, and that's a lie. I I can't imagine a world in which there's not specific jurisdiction in Tennessee by that out-of-court statement. It's the same whether they wrote it in a letter, they came to the board physically and delivered that lie, or they did it in a tweet that one person saw or two million people saw. makes no difference. So to me, tell me why I'm wrong about that way of thinking about it.
0: Suitably forewarned, Chief Judd and I think there's two responses to your question. Uh, one is factual and one is legal. The factual one, and I think this is a point I really want to urge on the court. Um, the allegation in the briefing by the plaintiff before this panel is that there was a direct communication from Ms. Griffin to the Board of Visual. That is simply not- Well, you're, you're
2: using the word direct yes. to say it was effectively a CC. That's effectively what it was, agreed, so be it.
0: But she, she was communicating...
2: You CC me. the board uh, that the, the CEO is a, a child pornographer and you expect him fired. You would not say that case turns on the fact it was in a CC line.
0: And I, I would not, Your Honor, but here, again, I think that this argument... Um, misconceives the functionality of Twitter, and believe me, I'm over 60, so this was new to me as well, but it's a very different thing, you know, an extraordinarily different proposition if Ms. Griffin had communicated directly in a conversation on social media or otherwise with Visual's board. She did not. She was was communicating to her entire universe. I don't care. I mean, why
2: is it inoculate your client that 8 million people see it rather than the
0: decision-maker. well, and, and It's the decision-maker and the $8 million. In In terms of personal jurisdiction, Chief Judge Sutton, she hasn't stepped into the market the way the defendants in Calder v. Jones did. And the fact that... There's a broad universe. This focuses on the harm in Walden v. Fiore, which was decided subsequent to Calder and, in my view, dramatically narrowed the scope of that holding. The court said... That is such an unusual case. It it, it, it is, but so is Calder v. Jones. And and the the court made it plain that in, in Walden that the fact that the harm was suffered in the jurisdiction where the plaintiff resides is insufficient to establish jurisdiction.
2: Stick with my hypothetical. It's not these facts. Do you agree that if there's a tweet that just one person gets it, the decision maker gets it, the decision maker fires the person based on a lie in the tweet, we would agree that the person fired can sue where the employer, the decision maker was. That has to be the rule
0: in an employment case.
2: I, and if that's, if that's, I wanna find out if you agree with that rule.
0: I, I do not agree with that rule. Why, I don't understand how not. they because some someone can say something broadly disseminated on, on the internet and the fact that the employment Wait, but you're, you're changing, you're changing, changing question. I'm asking you in uh, a, just, person, why please.
2: won't you concede a one person okay let's call it a letter
0: okay
2: people sixty and over understand letters I'm in I'm in that category too it's a letter it's a lie it goes to the board and says get this guy off of the board he's a child pornographer and is that okay. enough for specific jurisdiction in the state where the decision maker is? I,
0: I, think, it, I think it is, but okay. it's a very different
2: okay. factor. Okay, no, no, Good. Now we're, this is helpful. Mm-hmm. Now you gotta to explain to us why it going to two million as opposed to just one helps you. That seems be,
0: quite be, counterintuitive. No, I, well, I, I, I think the counterintuition is alleviated, Chief Judge Sutton, by this response. Uh, there, there is no question that the sender of the letter was going to jur- into Tennessee and reaching the board to communicate with someone in Tennessee. Ms. Griffin was... Making a visual. Ms. Griffin was not. I tag visual. But she wasn't communicating directly with she, the board, Chief says, Judge Sutton. She was communicating with two million
3: people. But wait, if you send a letter, mm-hmm. take Judge Sutton's hypothetical, and then you put the letter on Twitter, would that insulate you? So the well, if,
0: if, the, if, the, if the letter had already been sent...
3: What if you say, I'm sending this letter, put it on Twitter, and tag them, and then also happen to mail well, it?
0: Well, it's the physical mailing into the jurisdiction that changes the analysis in so you, terms of personal... What reporting. if you email it? If you email, then again, you are reaching out directly to the board of okay, so now she's, not what happened here.
3: Look, look what she does. She reposts their termination of him, then she says, has he been removed, and I'm surmising, from his position on the board, and if not, what measures is Visual taking in this regard? And they respond
2: to that, terminated. Yeah. It, then they follow up again, terminated, confirmed. Yeah, it, we, we've got some communication yeah, here.
0: in In those tweets, she wasn't doing the electronic equivalent of sending a letter to Visual. She was talking to two million people. What if I at send once. an
3: email and CC two million followers? Well, if
0: if there is an email transmitted, a single email, I'm not sure that provides a sufficient penetration of the jurisdiction. Why
3: is the letter different in today's age?
0: Because you're targeting Visual, you're reaching but if into you the emailing, jurisdiction.
3: You're targeting them,
0: yes, and when you're emailing. And but, so, if I
3: CC two million followers on my email, does that change things? Because I want to show everyone my.
0: If, that I'm... if if she emailed first to Visual's board, she had the name of the board of directors and emailed uh, the same thing, different case. There may be a much colorable argument for jurisdiction. The fact that she transmits Twitter
3: insulates you. Even Moscow be happy, she, she's but not,
0: she's not. She's not. She's not targeting again. But, but t- know, social media—it's the nature of the internet. She's I'm not targeting to, now the I'm, board. Now I'm trying
2: to help you. So, hey, so now <laughs> I'm trying to help you, and I think the only way this could make sense is that tagging is somehow not like CCing or not a direct communication. So try to. Well, well, go think, down that road cuz I don't I don't right? think you're helping yourself so far. Try try that. that that's There's...
0: that's the point I'm trying to get at, Chief Judge Sutton, and uh, Why 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 is
2: that so why is that helpful? Speaking
0: broadly on social media, to uh, her entire group of followers. She is not targeting the communication in a meaningful way to Why, them. if you tag
3: them, you're sending two messages. You're saying, A, if you don't take this action, I want the, my following to bring you down, basically. And B, if you do take, the when they did take the first action, she follows up with a direct communication.
0: But she isn't speaking or communicating directly to the board. She's talking and commenting about what she thinks is the appropriate response by the board of directors of visual.
2: I think the way I would put it, if I were in your shoes, is something like this. Her First Amendment activity is to convince two million people to go after this company. She can't do that if she quote doesn't tag. In other words, if she doesn't tell them how to communicate, they won't and she wants something efficient, and so that's why she does it. But the, the trick is this isn't an intent test. The trick is that the only way to tag is to also directly communicate. And I will say, in this case, some of the communications actually, even if we were looking at intent, some of the communications are pretty direct. You know, is he fired yet? You know,
0: I, I think the same point could have been made in blessing, Chief Judge Sutton, which is there uh, she called for the did, they, did she tag
2: the, the school?
0: She, she didn't. Uh, I don't believe she did tag the school. Never tagged case.
3: them, at but, least but, in the tweets on but, in the
0: case. But, but there's, there's no question that she was calling for those students, and she mentioned the high school where they went to school, knowing that a large number of the plaintiffs in all likelihood attended there resided she, in she Kentucky. She didn't
3: mention the high school. And this
0: court was. found that that was insufficient. In fact, this court really gave that argument the back of its hand in the blessing case. And it wasn't sufficient to establish the necessary level of personal contact with the jurisdiction in blessing, and the same point should hold here. Isn't it,
3: blessing, isn't everything on due process dicta in blessing under under our court's precedent and right? Because it's not necessary the outcome. The outcome was done by the time they got to due process. They even say in any event.
0: Yeah, well, I, 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 my reading of, of blessing, uh, Judge the Parr, Is that the 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 court very carefully examined Calder v Jones which the plaintiff is trying to I
3: understand but that's isn't that dicta
0: which I I don't think it is because there the panel decided that.
3: tell me if they would have stopped before they got to the constitutional analysis Mm -hmm. the outcome was still certain right there was no jurisdiction under Kentucky's long arm correct and then they say in any event there's also no personal jurisdiction. So it is dicta. Well, but, it's not necessary to the outcome. But,
0: but the due process jurisdictional analysis and blessing certainly informs the position that's being taken by the plaintiffs in this case. And I think the same reason that, that a panel of this court rejected the argument under due process and blessing applies wholesale to this case. The only...
3: It's much different than blessing in that the, what I read you when I was inserting Tennessee was from Calder. It's the first three sentences of...
0: No, I, I understand your point, Judge the Thapar, but my, my, our position is this, is that Calder is a unique case in a lot of ways. And...
3: The unique case we're bound by.
0: I, I certainly understand that, Judge the uh, Thapar. What mattered to the court in that case, or at least as clarified in Walden v. Fiore, is that the jurisdictional finding turned on a couple of things. First, that there were 600,000 print copies of the National Enquirer distributed in California. A product was in the in the border of California. Second, the reporters had reached out directly and contacted by telephone sources. Third. They spoke with Shirley Jones's husband and let him review a draft of the article. We have none of that here.
3: Can I ask you what tweets well, in well, your mind would Mr. subject her? Mr. Oh, go right you can follow up. I, I, I just have one. What tweets in by, by Miss um, Griffin would subject her to the personal jurisdiction of a Tennessee court? Just tweets. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I don't think it can be defined based on the content of the tweet, no matter how objectionable. It has to be based on the dur- purposeful direction of the message into Tennessee, not to a nationwide audience, which is what happened here. And
3: well, what if it's to both?
0: Well, if it is to both, it's part. It, certainly there are some citizens in Tennessee that, that saw this, but that's not sufficient to establish jurisdiction because she wasn't directing the tweet into the jurisdiction of Tennessee. Uh, she did nothing here. Only to the employer. <laughs> she, she she did, well, we we read that fact differently, Chief Judge Sutton. I don't think she was communicating directly with the employer. Again, if she would sent a letter to the board or an email to members of the board, different case, but we're not there.
4: I wonder if you could just give me like maybe a 30 second answer. You argue in your briefs that we should decide this case under 12b-6 really, that there has not been there's been a failure to state a claim upon which relief can be granted. This is a disguised, um, you know, a defamation claim in essence, uh, even though it's brought as a, as a tortious uh, claim. Claim and that, you know, this is a matter of you know. Uh, well, I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Uh, would you just address
0: Yes, uh, judge Cole, the point? Uh, very, very quickly.. Yeah, the point we're trying to make there is that the plaintiff can't do an end run around the traditional defenses and limitations under the First Amendment that apply to a defamation claim by pleading alternative theories of intentional tort as a basis for recovery. And simply because a defamation claim wasn't asserted here, there's no allegation that anything Ms Griffin said on Twitter is false. Uh, They were expressions of of opinion. They're non verifiable. You can't avoid the architecture of the First Amendment that protects free speech and allows for capacious exchange of ideas online by asserting backdoor tort theories. Is there like one
4: case, I I think you cite some district court cases, but is there one case that you would really think supports that proposition? Two.
0: um, The Supreme Court's decision in Hustler v. Falwell. And I know this decision I'm about to cite is not binding on this court but the Delaware court's decision in uh, a case Candace Griffin against USA Today where Candace Griffin was represented by Mr. McMurtry. I represented USA Today. We have the same intentional- Weren't those those were
2: both public figure cases? Are you saying is it Johnson was a public figure?
4: public whether,
0: whether Mr. Johnson is a public figu- figure under the limited purpose public figure doctrine, I don't think you need to get there to still hold that. And maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But you don't need there to recognize the established principle that the First Amendment can't be evaded by repackaging the theory of tort recovery. That's my point. That. So I hope I've answered your question. Oh, you did. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you,
2: Mr. McMurtry. Looks like you have five
1: minutes. Okay, thank you. I'm ready. Um, I'd like to quickly just just address the final comment on whether or not Mr. Johnson is a is a public figure and, and whether that matters. I think it's important to note that uh, again, it's not a defamation case. Uh, the the defenses that or the, the claims that Mr. Rigel is stating really arise as a defamation
2: type defense. And I, I, I assume you agree the First Amendment applies to intentional tort claims. I mean, if we still have to deal with the First Amendment, you can't give the tort a new label and say First Amendment's gone. Well, I don't think that because uh, somebody speaks,
1: you know, exercising their First Amendment rights and they speak on a, on a public issue, if that speech constitutes a tort, I don't think that there's a defense necessarily because uh, the First Amendment might apply to that to that conduct. I mean, in, in essence, uh, Defamation is just a way to put the brakes, or, or the defenses provided in defamation are really just the way to put the brakes on false speech. It used to be that there was strict liability for uh, defamatory claims, and we really don't have that here. And we did cite in our briefs that there are Tennessee cases that say that the First Amendment does not conflict with Tennessee's uh, tortious interference law. So I, I don't think that just because something you can see that's not binding on us. Yes, yes, I do. Yeah, but but just because something is not a um, um, because some statement is, is is public and it's made about an event like this, it can still constitute a tort. And I guess that's our position, uh, Judge Cole, I think, primarily in response to your question. And, um, Judge, the part of your point, you, you beat me to it by suggesting that the, the tweet from Kathy Griffin, which is, is in our brief and, and does specifically tag Visuel, was in essence uh, an email to Visuel with a CC to, to Kathy Griffin's two million followers. And I think that that uh, is the best way to look at this. And, and Judge Sutton, when you were asking about what's, what is the test for this? I I take your point and and agree with you that it is, in essence, an employment (coughs) case involving an email carbon copied to two million people that created uh, social uproar. Certainly not a matter of public concern. Um, Mr. Johnson was having dinner with his son and his son's girlfriend in a restaurant in Tennessee, in Franklin, Tennessee. And he didn't ask to be made public. He didn't insert himself into any public controversy. He didn't do anything that would make him a public figure. He was a private individual. And as a private individual, uh, you know, he was entitled to, to some anonymity or not having uh, his name spread all over the place in the manner that it was. So, you know, we would agree that, that uh, uh, it is a direct communication. It went specifically to at visuel, It did interfere with his employment. That type of speech can be uh, still actionable. Uh, Public speech, even on a matter of public concern, I think should still be able to constitute uh, a a tort and not be entitled to the defenses of a defamation claim. Defenses to defamation claims are not really designed to uh, uh, serve as a defense to public speech. That That is not defamatory. Uh, Again, we allege that this is tortious speech as opposed to defamatory speech. So I think that Mr. Greigel's argument really fails in that
2: regard because we're not talking about defamation. And we would suggest that when the court looks- Just out of curiosity, I'm not, you're you're spending your time on this so now you've just piqued my curiosity. (laughs) You know, we don't have to address this. You know, we could surely allow the district court to look at this in the first instance. But I'm just kind of curious how the tort works. Uh, So it's, it's, they, they said that you haven't alleged that anything she said was a lie, so how does the tort work? Like I'm not I'm not denying this, the possibility of a tort. I'm just kind of trying to figure out if it doesn't involve a lie, what is the tort? Well, it it involves her retweeting to two million people. Okay, I'm not focused on jurisdiction.
1: Keep going. Okay, well, that yeah, that he's a. Homophobic pos in Tennessee who harasses a teenager wearing a, a dress to prom.
3: That's defamatory.
1: It is. It is defamatory. Yes, and it is a repetition of of a defamatory statement. Yeah, but yeah, you're you're not going to get up there and say he is a homophobe, right? Correct. No. But so I guess you do think there's some lies. I well, I do. And I, but our our theory has been that the speech can still be you know if it's if it's that speech, even protected by the First Amendment, can still constitute a tort. That's what we tried to state in our, in our briefs. But the, the tort really is what is that when you do this, when you send something to a board and you try to shame someone and then you, you copy that to your two million followers, that creates a kind of a cancellation event, which leads to the board terminating you. And that's exactly what happened in this circumstance. So there, there was a termination, it was an employment law
2: case. and. Um, are there many cases that have these torts? I mean, it, it, it does seem like a new phenomenon, sad to say. I, I have another I'm one. It's, it's still it's still at
1: the district court level, so uh, it hasn't made it past that. We we survived our jurisdictional motion on that one.
2: That's so. quite a commentary on society. <laughs> Thank All you right. So well, um, thanks to both of you for excellent briefs and great arguments for answering our questions, which we always appreciate. It's you know really interesting case and do our best to get it right. So thank you. Uh, the case is submitted and the clerk may adjourn court.